my testimony from death to life. Cause Christ rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Together, sons and daughters, by the blood and washed in water.
amazing to declare that. Amen. Church, say, yes, I will. And no matter the struggle that we face, Lord, no matter the highs and lows, the peaks and valleys, yes, I will. Lift your name in the lowest valley. Yes, I will. Why? Because there is no other name that's higher than yours. You are worthy of it all, of the good, the bad, the ugly. I give you glory for it all. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, we'll sing this together. Our Father, Creator, you hold our hearts together. There's no one higher than you. Redeemer. Defender, your great and mighty Savior, there's no one higher than you. You are always with us, gracious to forgive us. By your power, we've been set free.
Thank you so much for your greatness, God, that you created it all, that you see it all, you hold it all together, God, and in your greatness, in your power, in your glory, you are still approachable. You are still knowable. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, God, for what you do, not just through us, God, but in us, God. We thank you for your presence, Lord. And Heavenly Father, right now, I just want to pray for Pastor Richard's brother, Robert, who's in surgery right now, God, I pray your hand of protection over him, Lord, that you be there in that operating room, God, and that if it be your will, God, everything goes smoothly in the name of Jesus, or a quick recovery in the name of Jesus, Lord, full restoration in the name of Jesus, Lord. No, I also pray for our other friends and family members here at our church and outside of the church, too, who also have health issues, God that you be with them. For our sister Zoe, God, who's sick right now at home, that you be with her, God, and comfort her. Bring her healing, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you because you are a living God that we don't just read about, that we don't just sing about, but that we get to experience here, Lord. And we ask that you continue allowing us into your presence every single day. It's in your precious and holy name we pray, God. Amen. All right, church, you may be seated. And what an awesome, awesome time of worship. Can we just give a round of applause to our worship band? Like, it's always such a blessing, such a blessing to be here. Man, hey, we got a couple of announcements before Pastor Richard gets up here. First, Grief Share uh, is, meets every Thursday at 11 a. from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. So Grief Share is a, a great class uh, for anyone who's dealing with loss of a loved one. It's a fantastic place to be. If you've never experienced just the body of Christ coming around you in love and in support, Grief Share is a great place to experience that. And sign-ups are available out in the mall at our info booth. You can go there right after services and get more info on that. Also, we have Parents' Night Out. Uh, that will be this Friday, the 25th. Uh, so if you are parents with young children and would like a date night, it's a great opportunity for you to have that this Friday. Um, it's from 5.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, you can register for that on our app or on our website, nbcabq.com forward slash events. You can find it right there. Um, so be, look, be looking out for that, and don't forget to sign up for Parents Night Out. Also, Joy, Just Older Youth, um, just so you know, uh, we 
Uh, they will not be meeting this week due to unforeseen circumstances. Uh, however, they look forward to meeting uh, next month for just older youth. Be on the lookout for the announcement for that. And the sisterhood, do we have any ladies in the house? Hey, come on. So sisterhood will be meeting on Saturday, March 26th. The sisters will be meeting at Pastor Sonia's Secret Sanctuary from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Bring your own lunch. This is a picnic event. It's going to be outdoors, so be sure to dress appropriately. And, man, I'm just so excited because I know the guys have had, you know, the men's breakfast and men's retreats. But, women, you guys got yourself now, too. Look at that. I'm so excited for the things that are taking place there. Man, that's going to be great. And also, baptisms will be on March 27th. That's this coming Sunday. If you've not been baptized yet, if you're a new believer and you want to get baptized, or if you've maybe been away from the church, been away from God for a while, and you want to recommit your life with a baptism, what a wonderful opportunity to do that next Sunday. Baptism is just such a beautiful, beautiful experience, symbolic of the gospel, man. Uh, Galatians 2.12 says that I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. And baptism is just a beautiful picture of that and how we are dunked underneath the water. And Pastor Mike pulls you out, and you are alive in Christ. Symbolic of that resurrection power that we walk in right now. And so if you've not experienced that, please sign up on our app or on our website. And you can also call the front office for more details on that too during the week and stuff like that. Um, Also, church, thank you so much for your continued support, uh, for your donations, for your tithing, uh, for your offerings. We We also have our tithing boxes in the back of the sanctuary on either side. And you can also give via tech to give. Uh, on our app and nbcabq.com forward slash give. And on the, on the subject of giving, church, I just want to say a big thank you to each and every single one of you, especially those who came out to our banquet on Friday night. It was a huge success. Uh, church, We've I am uh, more than confident in our ability to send our kids to the International Youth Convention. Thanks to your generous, generous giving, not just for the fundraiser that we had on Friday, but for our bake sales. We've had a lot of you bake for us and donate goods. We had someone donate t-shirts to sell. We've, we've done rummage sales all because of you, church. None of this would be possible. So thank you so much for all of that. And also on the subject of youth stuff, youth camp is coming up. Registrations are now open. If you know of a kid in your family or someone that you know that's going to be in fourth grade next year all the way through graduating seniors, they are eligible to go to youth camp this year. And it's a fantastic, fantastic event. I'll be right outside in the mall. Uh, we'll, we'll be selling some chocolate to raise money for that, too. One dollar each, world's greatest chocolate. Delicious. And and we also have little pamphlets that we'll be giving out, too, with more info on that. So uh, stop by and see me right after service, and I'll be more than happy to give you more info on that. Now, family, Pastor Richard's been in this sermon series on family stepping stones, and today he's going to talk to us about how to listen and how to speak, a lesson that I know I could always need a good refresher on. So why don't we welcome our senior pastor to the stage this morning. Thank you all very, very much. Appreciate that. God is amazing, isn't he? God is on the throne, isn't he? And he's going to meet our every need. Have you noticed in a society where we have so much communication tools We don't communicate anymore. We don't talk to each other. People don't converse. People don't share. 
They don't open up their heart. People's face are in their phone or their tablet, and they're communicating that way, but not even communicating in their homes. They're constantly looking at their phone or their tablet. That's really sad because people don't know how to talk anymore. They don't also know how to listen. Have you ever been talking to somebody and they weren't even listening? They were already preparing their comeback. And you're like, come on, just listen to what I'm saying. And they're like, yeah, well, yeah, wait, what? And, and it's really something. My son is always messing around with me and my wife. And sometimes he thinks we're not listening. And he'll go, yeah. He goes, well, uh, you know, let's say we're talking about his health. And he goes, yeah, and, and the doctor told us this, this. And he told me I have a, a month to live. And, and then he'll say something else. And I'm like, I look at him and I go, shut up. And my wife goes, wait, wait, what did you say? Wait, what did you say? And he goes, I just want to see if you're listening. And see, sometimes we're not listening. Somebody sent me a video clip this week, and it was this young lady sitting at a, at a restaurant, and she bites into a sub sandwich. She takes her second bite, and then she gets up and she goes to the counter, and she goes, who made this? I want to know who made this. And finally, this man comes up kind of sheepishly, and he's like, uh, I did? She goes, I just want you to know, this is the greatest sandwich I've ever eaten. <laughs> and I'm like, people are nuts, man. But hear me, that really is true how people communicate really allows you to think if you're going to listen or not. Because if someone approaches you and says, we need to talk, it's like, oh, this is not good. I better put on my boxing gloves. You know, it's like you don't even know what's going to come. So I want to help us to learn how to listen and then how to speak, how to really communicate. When the Holy Spirit speaks, I pray that we listen to him because you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. You never know what God wants to say to you and through you. So I want to talk about first how to listen so that your children, your family, your loved ones, your friends will speak up. That you're listening in a manner that you're giving a platform for them to talk. Because some people don't like to speak up because they're scared to death. So the very first thing we need to do is look at them with eyes of love. Really look at them with eyes of love. I mean, you could see somebody and sometimes they got fire in their eyes and they look like they're madder than a hornet. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to come out of their mouth? I better prepare myself. And you kind of go into the conversation like this, ready to get beat up or something. When you look at someone with eyes of love, they know that you're there to really hold them, to cradle them, to love on them, to minister to them, to talk to them, to hear them, to really be able to communicate that you are there to hear, to really talk to them. That you're listening in a manner that you're saying, I want to hear your heart. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you have to say. Because it's so important that we offer that kind of atmosphere. Jesus offered that kind of atmosphere. One time a rich man came to him and said, Lord, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus in Mark chapter 10 verse 21 said, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. 
I don't know about you, but man, when someone shows you genuine love, even if they have to discipline you, even if they have to speak direction into your life, you receive it because you know they're giving it with love. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And he says, there's only one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you, he says, will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. See, he's saying, I want you to understand something. And that rich man heard him. He heard his heart. He didn't reject him. He didn't give him. But he said, you've got so much stuff. It's got you. You need to let go of your things and follow me. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 12, it says, ears to hear and eyes to see. Both are gifts from God, from the Lord. He's given us these ears. He's given us, the, he's given us these eyes. Have you ever noticed he's given us two eyes, two ears, but only one mouth? He wants us to see and hear before we start blabbing away. We really need to learn to listen. We need to learn to hear. We need to learn to receive. And once we do it with eyes of love, the next thing we need to do is spend as much time with them as needed. Spend the time you need with your son or daughter, father, mother, husband, wife, your friend, your neighbor, the person that you want to communicate with. Spend the time that you need. Sometimes life is so busy, isn't it? I know life's busy for me, and I I book appointments, I do counseling, I have meetings. I'm always busy doing something. And so one time, some friends of my son were with him, and, and he had called the office to set up an appointment to meet with me. And some of his friends go, dude, you got to set up an appointment to meet your dad? He goes, oh, yeah, my dad has appointments. He can't just drop everything unless it's in a major emergency. He's not going to just, hey, son, what's up? If he's got a counseling session, that's their time with him. So I set my time up with him. And they went, wow. Because they just think I work on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. They don't know that I really do work, and I, and I have time. And so my son will set up time sometimes. He goes, Dad, we hardly ever get to see each other. He goes, so man, we don't want to become the cats in the cradle. You remember that song? Man, because I was always busy, busy, busy. And I say, son, let's set up to meet for lunch at least once a week to see each other, to visit with each other. You spend time with people. When you spend time with that person that you need to speak to, that you want to share with, they, you show them that love because you're showing them that you care enough to give up some of your time to be with them. Yesterday I did a wedding and I told the audience, I go, the couple wants to thank you so much for giving up your afternoon to spend it with them, to give up your afternoon to come to their wedding and their reception and their dance and to be with them. They feel honored that you're here. And some of the people there go, wow, pastor, that was really nice what you said. And I go, well, you know, I'm sure that that's how they feel because they told me. You see, spending time with people communicates that you care. In the book of Job, Job had gotten this horrible illness. The devil came and talked to God, and he said, Hey, man, I see your servant Job. Oh, he loves you and follows you because you've blessed him so much. But, but will he follow you if you don't bless him? 
is he going to follow you if things go horrible? And he goes, you know what, my, my, my servant Job, he's faithful. And when, it, it, and you looked at chapter two, man, he ended up getting these boils all over his body. They were horrible. He was trying to scrape them off. And, and some of his friends heard about it. And in chapter two, starting at verse 11 through 13, it says, when three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console to console him. Their names were Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shuite, and Sophar, the Namathite. Then they saw Job from a distance, and they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust up into the air over their heads to show their grief. They're going like, man, we feel your pain, Job. Oh, God. And they tore their clothes and they got dust and it was a form of showing that they were grieving. And they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job. They just saw that his suffering was too great for words. Sometimes people ask me, I don't even know what to tell them. Don't say anything, just hug them. Just hug them, say I love you and I'm praying for you and then just be there. Be there so that they know you love them. Be there so that they know you care. Be there so that you know you're available for them. Say, if I could do anything, I want to do that. You see, spending time will communicate a whole lot. And when you listen with eyes of love and with spending time, they get the message. Another thing we need to do is share their feelings. Share their feelings, not your solutions. I don't know what it is about men. Most men are like this, and some women are too, but men have a tendency to do this more. We want to fix things right away. Our wife goes, man, my wife used to oversee television stations in New Mexico and Colorado, and she'd fly back and forth, and she dealt with corporate, and then she dealt with all of her employees. And, and, and sometimes she'd come home, and she goes, I go, hey, how was your day? She goes, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe what happened. I go, really? Well, what, what happened? This and this and this and this and this. I go, wow, well, why didn't you do this and this and this and this and this? She goes, I did do this and this and this and this and this. I didn't ask you to help me fix it. I already fixed it. I just wanted to cry on your shoulder because you're my husband, and I wanted to pour out the pain I went through. And I was like, oh, my bad. <laughs> but I would do it again and again and again. I finally learned it. I really mean this. I finally learned, hey, don't say nothing. Shut up, you mouse. And she would talk, and I, and, and I sincerely meant that. I'd go, man, I'm sorry you went through that. I'm sorry you had a horrible day. But I wouldn't give any advice. And sometimes she goes, well, aren't you going to say anything? Go, what, what should I do? I go, you hadn't asked. But since you asked, because it was stayed in my head. But don't share the solution. Share the feelings. They're going through something. They just want you to know you care. Sometimes our kids come to you and they go, Mom, Dad, this happened. And you go, right away, you go, ah. 
No, hear them out. They might have already solved it and they came to a happy conclusion. They just want you to know what happened and they want you to understand the pain they went through. In the book of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13, it says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. John 11, 32 through 36 is when Lazarus has died, and, and it says there, when Jesus showed up, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell to his feet and said, Lord, if you only would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up inside of him, within him, and he was deeply troubled. He's like, man, guys, Yes, where have you put him? He asked them, and they told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. Shortest book in the Bible. Shortest verse, rather. Jesus wept. Two words that are so profound. It shares his compassion, his love, his concern, his grief, his pain. And it says the people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him. All because he shared. All because he cared. He poured himself out. We need to be able to share their feelings, not solutions. Next, we need to listen for any fear or hurt beneath their words. Listen to what's going on. Sometimes they're saying one thing, but they're really meaning something else. They've got so much pain in them, so much fear in them. They don't know what to do that they're saying one thing, but they're really saying something else. But sometimes we don't hear the something else because all we hear are their words. And a lot of times when people come into my office, I'll say, now hear me, wait up. I, this is what I'm hearing you say. And they go, yeah. And if their husband or wife is there, they go, yeah say that? Well, I know they didn't say that, but this is what I'm hearing. I'm feeling they're saying, and they go, that's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly what I'm going through. That's exactly, because we need to understand that we have to grab a hold of them and listen beneath the hurt, beneath the fear, beneath the words they're saying. In First Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Oh, that we would really do that. Oh, that we would understand that. That we would really sympathize and understand and keep a humble attitude. Not that, oh, I'm here, I can help you. But, man, I'm here. I can try to help you. I want to help you. In Romans chapter 15, verse 2, it says right there, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. So help them and build them up. Help them and build them up. Help them and build them up. Another thing, if we really want to listen and give them a platform where they can speak, because we're really listening, another thing we need to do is engage with open-ended questions. Don't ask just a yes or no question. Don't ask just, like, if you ask your husband or your wife, how was your day? What do they usually say? Fine. 
It was horrible. But that's all. Instead, say, hey, what was the greatest part of your day? I didn't have a good day at all. Well, what was the worst part of your day? Oh, man. And we got to understand, we communicate so different. How many of you know men and women communicate completely different? (laughs) Men. Men, let's say, how was your day, hon? Man will go, ah, it was horrible. I got a flat tire. Well, what happened? I got a flat tire. Well, what happened? The air leaked out of the tire. I, I got, it, it went flat. You asked the lady, how was your day? Oh, it was horrible. What happened? Oh, when I got up, first I couldn't find an outfit that was going to look good. I couldn't find shoes that matched. You have 49 pairs of shoes. How can you not find one pair? Well, I finally was going to work, and I thought, oh, I didn't get anything to drink. So then I pulled in, and I got, I already, I didn't know what to order. I didn't know whether I should get coffee or a frappuccino or, or a lapatino or lapatino. I don't even know what they call them anymore. And then I thought, maybe I should get a, something to eat. I'll, I'll pull in the drive that through and get a burrito. Oh, mira, that homeless guy. I saw a homeless guy, and I got him a burrito also. And then, babe, what happened? Why did you have to call AAA? Well, I, after I left the burrito, I, I, I was driving, and I saw Walgreens had a sale, so yeah, I had to pull into the sale. Oh, my gosh. Show me what happened. And then all of a sudden, when I came out, mira, my tire was flat. Ten minutes later, they tell you their tire's flat. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's like, man. But see, you have to understand we communicate different. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 5, it says, Though good advice lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding draws it out. So let them have a platform to, to really be able to speak. Another thing we need to do is never judge until you have all the facts. Sometimes we right away jump to the wrong conclusion. Look, I, I mean, the reality, look, I was in high school, and I had been, I had gone out, and we partied, and I had had drinking, I had been drinking, okay? I know that was wrong in itself. My mom and dad said, you better not be drinking, but... I came home, and my mom was really ticked off at me. And she goes, andale, muchacho, marihuano. She said, you marijuana boy? And I was devastated. I was like, man, marijuana, mom. Drinking's legal. I know I'm too young, but hey, I, I still, drinking is legal. Marijuana's not, so mom, I've never touched weed. Now, I didn't say that to her. But she was judging me because of the people I was hanging out with and the things, the way I looked and the way, you know, I came home trashed. And she, but those words pierced so deep. She judged before she even had the facts. And I was like, man, I can't believe you called me a marijuana. Man, I've never smoked weed, Mom. But if that's what you think I am, then my stupid brain kicked in. If that's what you think I am, then I'm going to start smoking weed to show you. Show her what? That she was right? 
this stupid, stupid mindset. But when we judge people before we get all the facts, we pierce their heart. There's life and death in the tongue. We've got to think of what we're going to say. Proverbs 18.13 says, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Jump down to verse 15. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. They take in the facts before they talk. So we've got to really be able to learn to listen, to give people a platform where they really believe that you want to hear them and that they can speak because that way, once they start talking, they know you're really listening. So now I want to help us learn how to speak so that people will listen. Not just listen so they'll speak, but how do you listen so they'll, how do you speak so that they'll listen? And the first thing we have to learn how to do is talk to them at the right place at the right time, at the best place and the best place, the best time. Some people talk and they try to discipline or they try to counsel or they try to talk in the worst places. If you're having a problem in your marriage or with your children or with your parents or with someone that you're doing life with, <coughs> don't go to a restaurant and talk there about it. Haven't you ever seen people at a restaurant before? I'm so mad at you and they're, they're doing this number and you're like, oh, poor lady, man, poor dude. That lady is tearing him up. That man is treating her horrible. Those poor kids, man, discipline them at home. And they're there in the restaurant. Would you sit down? Would you shut up? You're like, okay, this isn't the right place. It's not the right time. You need to pick the right place and the right time. We don't do that all the time. And it backfires on us. Don't take care of a family problem. And if you're having a marital problem or a problem with your son or daughter, don't bring in the entire family to hear it. Pick the right place at the right time with the right temperament. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 7, it says, a time to, there's a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak. In other words, there's a time to be quiet. Just be quiet, shut your mouth. I know I joke around, but I say, shut up at your mouth. In other words, please stop talking. Do you understand how much you're destroying that person? Do you understand how much you're hurting them? Man, we need to learn how to talk at the right place at the right time. And then the next thing we need to do is pray and plan what to say and how to say it. Pray, 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 pray. Pray, 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 pray. I know I say that a lot, but I really mean it. Pray, 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 pray. If you're in a situation, pray, oh, God, please keep my mouth shut. Oh, Lord, calm me down right now. I'm so mad. Oh, my gosh, I don't want to look like an idiot here and yell at this clerk. But, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. My wife just pushed buttons that I forgot I had. Oh, my goodness, my kids are, oh, my goodness, my parents, my friend, just whatever. So if you know you're going to have a confrontation, let it be a healthy one. Pray, 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 and then put a plan together. 
okay, I need to say this, and this is how I need to say it. I tell people sometimes, write out a script. Write out what you want to say to your husband or wife or your father or your mother, your son or your daughter, so that you don't go off. Because if you say something in the middle of your conversation, your husband, wife, your friend, whoever you're talking to, might throw in a monkey wrench to derail you and lose your focus, and now you get in a big old argument. Instead, you could write it down. It's like, really, I'm going to read it? You have to read it to me? Yes, I do. I have to read it because you know what? I'm so emotional right now. I'm so uptight, I really need to talk. I need to tell you what's on my mind. I don't want to lose my focus. I don't want to lose my direction, so I'm going to read. I wrote it. These are my words. I just want to say them and not lose, not lose my attention, not lose my focus. And read it. I mean, they're your words. Unless you've got someone else to write it, don't get someone else to write your letter. <laughs> But say what you got to say. Read it. Do whatever you have to to plan to get it right. Look what Jesus said. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. He was the Father, our Heavenly Father, God, my Father, who sent me, has commanded me what to say and how to say it. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. He was seeking God's will. He was seeking to hear the heart and the voice and mind of his father. We should do the same. Take time. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 23 says, With a wise man comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. You could speak, you could communicate. In the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have, hear me, so that you will have the right response for everyone. So let it be an attractive conversation, meaning, you know what? You draw people in. People want to hear you. They want to talk to you. They want to listen to what you have to say because you're doing it in a loving manner. And then we need to empathize with their needs first. Empathize with their needs. In other words, feel what they're feeling. Try to get in their skin. Try to understand what they're going through. If someone's going through something and they just got derailed, man, don't ask them what happened, why did it happen? Are you so dumb? Why did you let that happen? No, they don't need a lecture right then. They need to know that you're hurting with them. You're going to reach out to them. You're going to hold their hand. You're going to reach your arms around them. You're going to love on them. You're going to let them know, I'm here for you. You know what? I'm sorry you're going through this. They'll be the right time and place to be able to say, now look, what did you learn from that? What, what did you learn? I hope you've learned because you've already done it 10 other times. You're not learning. You need to learn. Or, man, I'm really glad you learned. I saw that you figured it out, and you haven't done that again. That's wonderful. But empathize with their needs first. Find out what they need, what they're going through. In the book of Philippians, or Ephesians, rather, chapter 4, verse 29, it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let's let everything that you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. 
So be an encourager. Be one who builds up. Be one who ministers. Be one who pours out. Be one who really says things that you know what? You go, man, I love talking to him. I love talking to her. She helps me process so well. She helps me think so well. I need to really, man, God, when I talk to them, I really believe that they care about me. They show me how much they care. They communicate. They grab a hold of your heart. You go, wow, that was awesome. Because when people are harmful and abusive to you, man, the, the, the only thing you want to do is run away, pull away. So it's important that we totally lean on the Lord, that we come to him and hear him. Another thing, if you want people to really listen, is affirm their positive alternative. In other words, look, they might come to you and they might say, hey, I've been thinking about doing this and this and this. So ask that open-ended question. Say, how do you think your husband will respond to that? How do you think your wife is going to respond to that? What do you think your parents might say? What do you think your children might say? Have you considered what is going on? Let's say they come to you with a really dumb decision. They'll say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You already shot them down. You haven't even heard them. And it really might be the dumbest thing you've ever heard. But at least let them tell you. Say, hey, how do you think that will go over? What do you think might be the setbacks? What might be some of the things that you have to confront? What might be some of the things that might not go through that smoothly? And when you ask those questions and you say those things, they start realizing, wow, that was a really dumb thing I just came up with. But when it's a good thing, say, oh, my goodness gracious, what an amazing decision. That's wonderful. I want to affirm that. I want to say amen, thumbs up, high five, praise God, let's do it. That is a brilliant, brilliant idea that you've come up with. That is something that really should succeed. That's wonderful. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verse 2, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Man, let's make sure that we encourage and build up, not tear down that we hold them up and we lift them higher and not allow them to just fall flat on their face. It's important that we really build up. In the book of Proverbs 16, verse 21, this is how he says to us that the wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. Man, you want to go to someone that speaks life into you. Look, even if they say no, you still end up going to them because you go, man, they, they don't put me down and throw me down and say I'm an idiot. They just make me think it through. And, man, sometimes I've realized that was the dumbest thing I ever thought of. But, man, they, they approached me and they said it in such a way that I embraced them and I understood it. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 19, it says, this hope, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Hope, it keeps you anchored. It doesn't let you drift away. It keeps you on point. It keeps you centered. It keeps you where you need to be. It's an anchor that keeps your feet planted firmly so you're not tossed here and there. It says this hope 
is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the uh, through the curtain into it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. In other words, it takes us beyond <coughs> that barrier that used to keep us from God. It's hope. Offer people hope. Offer them encouragement. Build them up. Strengthen them. I don't know about you, but I have those people that I go to, not yes people. They go, oh, yes, 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 yeah, yep, whatever you say, pastor. But all those people that will say, yes, wow, that's a great idea. Man, pastor, did you really think that one through? Richard, are you sure you've prayed about this? Are you, are, what, what did God say to you exactly? What, what is, because they work it through with you. They help you. It's so important that we understand God's hope is that anchor. It's that source of strength that nothing's going to pull us away from his house, his glory, his presence, his goodness, his wisdom and knowledge because we're trusting in him. Another thing we need to do is keep calm. Keep calm with them and don't argue. Just stay calm. Have you ever found yourself arguing with your child who's real young or your grandchild? And you're, it's like, what are you fighting about? You're the adult. My children, we've tried to support what they've wanted. My son goes, I don't want my daughter having soda. I go, okay. And he goes, and I, she can only have one candy. When she goes to your house, only one candy. I go, okay. And she's a chocoholic. <laughs> she's only five years old, and she's a chocoholic like her grandmother. I'm serious. Cindy's a chocoholic. I don't, I'm not, bad eh, chocolate. I could have one. That's it. It's like, okay. Cindy could have one whole box. <laughs> and Gabriana came into, uh, she came up to her grandma yesterday. Grandma, wouldn't you want to have one of these chocolate little things? I don't even know what they were. They're little round. They look like, I thought they had peanuts in it. I had one and no peanut. But she goes, wouldn't you want to have one, Grandma? She goes, no, mijita, I don't feel like eating one. She goes, Grandma, it's chocolate. And I happen to walk in the room and I go, hey, just remind you, your daddy said you could only have one. Grandpa, Grandpa, well, this is just one box. I go, no, no, one from the box, mija. Grandpa. If she grabs up my Diet Pepsi, sorry, mija, you can't drink that. Grandpa. Grandpa, you know, and then I used to be sometimes drawn into it, and I'm there arguing. What am I arguing with her? She's not going to win. I'm not going to give in. Her dad said this. If I don't do that, then he gets all mad at me or my daughter gets all mad at me. I don't want them mad at me. I don't want to go against their word because then my grandkids think that I'll let them break the rules. They can't break the rules either with me or with them. Are you with me? At least that's the way I feel I suppose to support. So just stay calm. Don't get all rattled. Sometimes I'd get all rattled. I'd be like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. 
scars. They knew I was, ex- man, I, I wouldn't explode, but I'd be like, oh, my gosh. What am I doing? And they go, oh, Dad's mad. <laughs> I would try my hardest to stay calm and not argue, communicate. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven says, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. So try to keep your cool. Keep, keep, be even-tempered. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 19, it says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Oh, my gosh, some of us are the opposite. We blow up for everything. We, we just let them have it with our mouth and just rip them to shreds, and we don't listen at all. Oh, that we would turn it around. That we would turn it around to say, I need to make sure that I hear my family. I listen to my loved ones. I listen to the people I'm doing life with. It's so important that when I speak, that they're listening. That I'm saying it in such a manner that they're receiving it and taking it in and not fighting me and pushing me away. So it's so important that we embrace each other. It's so important that we embrace these things. Ask God to help you. Ask God to strengthen you. Some of you don't even talk to God anymore because you're all mad at him. You're mad because you didn't get your way. Something happened and you're mad. You know what? Life happens. We live in a sinful world and life happens. People have different refrigerator magnets on their refrigerator. One very common one is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Yeah. In Romans chapter 8, I'm more than a conqueror. Yeah. John 14.6, you know, I, I am the way, the truth, of life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Yeah. You know which is one of my refrigerator magnet uh, scriptures? It's John 16.33. And it says, in this world, you will have many trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. See, I don't go through life thinking nothing's ever going to happen. Life happens. Life happens. Wickedness happens. I don't know why it happens. Except we have a sinful world. But you know what the difference is between a Christian and a non-Christian? People see your life and they go, I have no idea how you got through that. I don't know how you're making it, except you have been a witness to my life and I'm so encouraged by seeing you be victorious over the greatest pain of your life. Understand their pain. Understand what they're going through. Stay calm. Empathize with them. Look, there's some people that have gone through divorces. And they had a horrible marriage, okay? But not every single day and every year was horrible. But their spouse, their husband or wife, might have cheated on them over and over and over. They might have been physically abusive or verbally abusive. And when they finally dissolve that marriage and Bibles, the Bible says, you have biblical grounds. 
you've been abused, you've been cheated on, there was infidelity, and they just abandoned you. And sometimes family and friends will say, thank God that's over, thank God that's over, thank God that's over. And sometimes they're dealing with brokenness, they're dealing with grieving, they're grieving what they lost because not all 20 years were horrible or 15 or whatever they were married. So be there to hear them out. Be there to share with them. Be there to help them. Be there to carry them. Be there to minister to them. But not beat them up. And some of you have quit talking to God because things didn't go quite how you planned. And some Christians treated you mean. And I'm sorry that you went through that. But if you have never surrendered to Jesus and you've never given him your life because you've been so angry with him or so hurt with him, and today you realize, my gosh, I need God. I really need to. I've been hearing God. I've been listening. Man, God's been speaking to me. And I need to learn how to listen and speak. And today you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to receive him as your Savior and your Lord. Would you raise your hand, anyone over here? Just say, that's me, Pastor. Anyone here today that wants to give their life to Jesus? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We want to celebrate with you. I don't want to embarrass you, but if, you, if you're that person that raised their hand, stand to your feet. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Would you all say this prayer with them? Let's all pray. Say, Heavenly Father, today I realize how desperately I need a Savior. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me for my past and give me a new future. I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Those of you that stood up, can I give you a hug? I want to hug you and just let you know how blessed you are. I want to let you know God loves you. Yeah, come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Gracious to forgive us. By your power we've been set free. Lord, we stand amazed in your presence, astounded by your mercy and love. Our hands are lifted high and surrendered. Your grace for me is always enough. There is no higher than our God. There is no one greater than you. Let my life forever praise the glory of your name. There is no one higher than you. There's no one higher than the Lord. Would you give him praise? Would you stand to your feet? I don't know what you might be going through. Maybe you as a husband and wife or a family need to say, man, we need to learn to speak to each other. Or you know what? We're doing a great job. Let's 
come up here and dedicate ourselves to keep doing a good job. God, help us. Guide us. Instruct us. Minister to us. So if you want prayer, make your way up. I don't want to beg you. I just want you to know the altar is open. Then I want to pray with you. God, we are so grateful for what you've done. I really pray that, God, we will learn how to share, how to care, how to listen, and how to speak. So that, Lord, our relationships within our family, our marriage, our parents, our children, and our loved ones and friends, co-workers, people at school, will really get along well. And I pray this in the mighty supernatural name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God's people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Church, we love you. As they remain praying up here, you're dismissed to go change Albuquerque. God bless you.